Listo. Let's do this. All right, señor Chris, thank you so much for your time. We finally are able to make this happen. I'm very excited about today. As I, as I was telling you before we started, I did a lot of research, not only on you, nice. but on the sport that you practice, jiu-jitsu, your, the gym, everything. And I'm so excited about the conversation we're going to have. So it means a lot to have you today. So again, thank you, señor. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm uh, excited. No, thank you again. So, señor, let's get us started. Please tell us a little bit about you. Give us a quick intro on who you are, what you do, please. Okay. So uh, my name is Cristobal Chavez. Uh, I am a black belt in 10 Planet Jiu-Jitsu El Paso. Well, in 10 Planet Jiu-Jitsu system, um, I own and operate 10 Planet Jiu-Jitsu El Paso. Uh, I'm, a f I'm starting to say I'm a former MMA fighter just because I haven't fought in the last three years, but I am not quitting yet. I do feel like I, I would need to still have something to prove to myself or out or other people and um, fight at least once, maybe two more times. Um, I also run a uh, local, I want to say regional now tournament. Um, it's called Desert Jiu Jitsu Championships here in El Paso. It's been running it for like six years now, and um, that's pretty much it. Nice. How long have you been a gym owner for? Um, going on eight years now. Eight years. Yes. Nice, Senor. You recently came back from a trip from a from a tournament, yes. which you won first place. Yes. Let's start with that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what the tournament was exactly and tell everyone um, obviously how you did over there. So that. it was uh, a Jim Crashers, Jim Crashers Pro tournament um, along with the submissions on the shore over at Galveston, Texas. They called it Jiu-Jitsu Island, which was pretty cool because I guess they're uh, running with the whole uh, fight island thing that they, were doing with, they are doing with UFC. Uh, but it was really cool because it was a different rule set other than just a regular bracket of like 16-man bracket where it's just elimination and then best guy wins. It was a teams tournament where it was a team of three, which I have run a tournament with a team of three. And it's like um, like the quintet. Those of you that are jiu-jitsu guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you're not, um, quintet is a team of five where... Two teams line up, five versus five, and then you pick the order that you're going to go in, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and then first guys meet up, the guy that wins stays, and then the second guy goes. So one guy could virtually eliminate the whole other team. Do you know what I'm saying? It's an, And so they start you start eliminating each other out until the, the team with the last guy standing wins. Oh, okay. It's so, really cool. I think you could compare it to like maybe Mortal Kombat. I think <laughs> I used to do that when I was a little kid now that I'm thinking of. Um, but this one was a little bit different. It was more like a wrestling um, duels meet where you would pick the matchup and each teammate would match up with one teammate from the other team. And you would just do one match each and the, the team with the most wins at the end was the one that would advance. So there was eight teams and we had three matches and we won all three matches. So nice. Got the How long was the whole, was it a whole day event or is it like a couple um, hours? I guess almost? you could say uh, weigh were in the morning and then we went, ate breakfast, hung out for a little bit, came back in the evening. It was just like, a, I don't know, four or five hours. Nice. I wanted to ask you this and right now we'll get into it as far as professionally fighting MMA. But do you when you, when every time you have a competition, do you think about your students? Do you think about the, your gym? That I understand That's that maybe right. it's not as serious that they understand that of course you can always uh, lose. Uh, but is there added pressure knowing Definitely. that they're watching you? Definitely, I I do that. I put that upon myself. Um, it was interesting because I told one of my friends all that, 
And uh, he said that I'm probably putting too much pressure on myself. But honestly, um, I think it's the other way. It depends how you perceive uh, the pressure, you know. Um, I feel jiu-jitsu is something that showed me to be able to perform under pressure. But also take pressure in a positive way. Um, I represent my family. I have twin boys now that I want to set an example of what a man is and, you know, who their dad is. And uh, also I have a team of like, I don't know, 40 something, 50 little kids all the way from five years old to like 13 years old who um, look up to me, who I have parents telling me also, oh my God, little, little Sebastian thinks you're the best, man. And, uh, you know, that I take that, you know, with a big responsibility and I want, I represent them also and I want them to look up to me and I want to motivate everybody around me, my students. Also, that are adults, other fighters that I'm that are training under me. I want to prove to them why I am their coach and why they should believe in me. Also, when I'm giving them advice or coaching them and teaching them, so it's a lot of things, and um, I take them in a positive way. Where maybe other people could be like, "Oh man, you know, I don't want to let them down." God, what if I lose in front of all these people? And then now you're going into that negative uh, tangent and you are probably going to end up losing because of that. So you're supposed, well, you have to be able to manage it, of course, right? Of course, I've never fought professionally, but then I'm thinking if anything that I do that requires maybe me to be at my best, of course, there's always that pressure, like you said, okay, this is good if you use it in your advantage, but if you don't, I mean, look at this, it's still maybe it's going towards the wrong direction, Yeah, right? I, I also think it's, um, like, I grew up watching boxing with my parents, like Julio Cesar Chavez, right? And people like that, where I think if you know, if you look into the boxing world, it's the Mexican boxers have a different heart, have a different blood you know what i'm saying where you have to murder this person so they could stop coming at you and i think that i have that in me as well where and the reason being is probably because you're you know you're representing mexico you're representing your parents and your family and your dad and you know you have that pressure oh my brother was there oh, my brother lives in houston so i flew out to houston and then we drove down to galveston so he was right there you know um front row and i could hear him yelling yelling uh cheering for me and you know i want to make him proud also yeah. another time um i fought in um austin and wait no i was in dallas and um i had to take my twin boys with me because no one could take care of them those days and i was like i'm fine i'll take them i've done it twice and it was pretty um it was pretty hard <laughs> i drove all the way to dallas once with them and it was not that bad so the next time I was like, I'm going to fly this time. I don't want to do that whole, what was it, like nine-hour drive. And I ended up flying thinking it was going to be easier. It was so much harder flying with them. So much harder. Go, like, And then on the way back, there was a layover or whatever you want to call it. It was delay. Four hours in the Houston airport with my twin boys. How old were they? They were two and a half or something. Ooh. They're three now. But I remember uh, competing in Dallas and being on stage and my brother was yelling and one of my, I could hear one of my kids yelling, Vamos, papa. And I was just like, oh, just like a extra oomph of energy that you receive because he is, as much as he could understand what's going on, he is watching, you know what I'm saying? So 
But it's funny, and, and, and now that you think, well, that you're talking about your, your son, no? one of them telling you, hey, vamos, papa. I remember I got in a fight when I was in third grade. I still remember this third or second grade. It was I don't even remember who I remember. <laughs> but I just remember that the little girl that I liked was there. So, yeah, olvídate. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my thing. I was like, no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Whatever it is, don't cry because that, that, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it was. <laughs> Hold it was I better But I think at that age everyone like, cries when they fight just because out of anger, right? And then like, and then like, oh, okay. But I remember and that's why I still remember that the, the little girl that I liked was there, so vas con todo, you know? And of course the same thing translates <laughs> to everything else. Yes, definitely uh that's um it's a competitive personality that we have, I guess, and we want to perform. I feel I also tell that about um tell that to my students a lot that there's certain people out there that are more performers and Everybody, when they practice, practice at a certain level. And some people, they're really good when they're at practice. But once they go out and compete, they compete at a lesser level. Just Why because they're, they do, they, they psych themselves out. They do bad under pressure. Or, you know, yeah, I, th I think it's just they psych themselves out. And there's other people that are not really that good at practice and they're always messing around. Or, you know, they're, they're just not taking it seriously. But when they compete, it's just, boom, a different level. It's like, where the heck? Where did this come from? You know, and it's just because they're performers. Right? They feed off of that vibe. If you see like UFC fighters, I'm very, I get very into into it. Like for example, Conor McGregor when he would go into the cage and he's just like with his arms open. It's like a modern day gladiator, yeah. just feeding off of the vibe of everyone just ah, yelling off them or just chanting, you know, and everyone yelling at the same time. It's probably the same thing with like NFL games or you know, FIFA World Cup games and stuff like that. And you're absolutely right, and, and of course we're talking specifically in fighting, but that can be, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm taking that back, and as you're well, saying all, this... all sports are forms of combat just under certain types of rules. You're competing against each other, just fighting is the, or the MMA is the fullest, most raw version of two people competing against each other, you know? You're actually legit, pretty much trying to kill each other, and there's just a referee to stop it and prevent it from happening, where they tap or they get knocked out. If the referee wasn't there, that person would kill that other person, yeah. you know what I mean? So For sure. And the same thing can relate to other forms of of things, any and like any day things that you do. For example, as you were telling me this, I was like, oh, I never seen it that way because there's some presentations of work that maybe I have to do. And then as I'm practicing, like, oh, no, esto te salió mal, te salió mal. Oh, my God, you're going to fail so bad. You're going to get fired after this. <laughs> and then, ya cuando es la hora, that I'm the meeting with the, the big boss, whatever it is, I'm like, whoa, I even surprised myself, but that's maybe yeah, like, the you, way you, to see it. You, like, know how to problem solve under pressure and you got the charisma but maybe you, you like that moment no yeah and some people yeah, yeah they like they feed they feed off of that adrenaline they love it you know other people under adrenaline they ah, they break andale andale no senor well thank you congrats again on that first thank place by the it. way let's let's take it back as far as talk to us about your start in, in mma jiu-jitsu fighting in general sir um, so it was funny. Um, I started uh, jujitsu not knowing that I was going to start into jujitsu. I always, um, I would get into fights often when I was younger, like in high school, like late high school, and then after high school, uh, going out and it, whenever something would arise where you could get into a fight, it would always end up happening just because I don't know. Like I liked that adrenaline rush and the the craze of people you know getting into altercation and you know it becoming a big deal and who came up on top and who and and then also talking of uh, people talking about these stories of oh dude when you got in, i don't know why i like that um 
Like were you looking for that or no, not looking for not it, but more that you enjoyed? I had friends that, like, I remember in high school, I had friends that were looking for it. We would go to parties legit to probably, well, not, well, I wouldn't go for that. But as soon as there was something, it was 100%, we would always be down for that to happen. And we would look for it and it would go turn into, like, brawls of, like, five on five guys and it was in high school so what i mean i don't think we could have done too much damage to each other but we were we would get into that so i always wanted to train and i would tell my parents that i wanted to start doing martial arts or something and they were the typical you know not knowing like no no de por si ya eres bien vago did you want to train let me interrupt did you want to train to get better at those street fights or because you were good at those street fights and wanted to now be professional good but luckily i never got like knocked out or my face broken or anything but um i probably just got lucky but um i just liked it there was like a fascination that i had for fighting and then i started watching ufc when ufc started coming out on spike tv and that's something that i loved i wanted to do it i felt it was the most real version of fighting instead of boxing and do you know what i mean so i was wanting to do that my parents were like no no you're the porcieras bien peleonero and I was never able to get into that. So until I was able to pay for it myself and train. Was this in high school or after? This was after high school. Okay, after. I was even, it's funny. I tell my stories, my students this story also because just to to let them know that I was dumb too, you know what I'm saying? I I wanted to do wrestling in high school and I liked it. Excuse me, I don't know why I'm getting that. Anyways, um, I liked it, but the reason why I didn't join wrestling is because you had to wear a singlet. Which is that suit, that, that yeah, one yeah, piece. Yeah, okay, tight one okay. piece suit. And now, <laughs> I'm like, dude, that suit is cool. <laughs> like, psh, I would wear that right now. That's awesome. And there I was a kid, and I didn't, and no one was there to tell me, like, hey, dude, don't be dumb, bro. Just get in there, you know? Like, it's, it's cool, whatever. That was your main reason that why, was, really? I, why I did. And, I'm, and I always think, I'm like, imagine if I would have done four years of wrestling first and then started, I probably would have been way, well, I obviously would have been way better, or who knows, I would have probably gone another route, maybe I would have gone to college and wrestling, and then ended up just being, you know, an employee for someone, you know what I'm saying, but I don't know, the way things have played out was okay, and um, so I started training, and I thought I was going to get into MMA, and then uh, my coach at the time said, well, this is jiu-jitsu, and he just started showing me jiu-jitsu, and I'm like, well, when's the strikes, when are we going to start, <laughs> you know, punching each other and stuff, like, oh, that'll come later, just don't worry, just learn this first you need to learn this ground fighting first i was like okay so i started training and i fell in love as soon as the first day i started jiu-jitsu i never stopped training and that was over 10 years ago tell me why people fall in love i know that with jiu-jitsu because as i was doing my research i was going over like video after video of why jiu-jitsu why like the benefits are like oh, okay you know so now i'm gonna believe in the jiu-jitsu reason sure. i fell in love with it was um i was still in college and I did three years of civil engineering. Uh, so I took a lot of math, you know, Cal 1, Cal 2, physics, statics, all that stuff. And then I changed, I think because of jujitsu, I switched to accounting. I was like, I don't want to be in, like, you know, a civil engineer for a company and just work for somebody and just be doing it. Because it, it started getting really hard for me. And I was like, this is, just, what, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, this, this stuff just for money? I'm like, no, so I'm like, I want my own business. I'm like, so I switched to accounting and I did a year of accounting and that was so easy. Well, at least compared to civil engineering, <laughs> I had people in my accounting classes and they'd be like, oh, the math is so hard. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? This is like algebra. Like, what are you talking about? I just did Cal 2 last semester. This is nothing. And uh, it was very easy for me. But then um, 
the opportunity for me to take over the gym. I was already a purple belt. And so fast forward, I was already a purple belt. Uh, it's, you start off at white and then blue belt, purple, brown, and then black belt. I was already a uh, purple belt. Uh, the opportunity for me to take over the gym arose where my coach had to move back to L.A. And no one was left to... Uh, as an owner or just as, yeah, um, as, as a manager? Owner, as, as an, an owner. owner. Well, okay. I started off as a coach. And then uh, one of the owners, he just didn't want in on it anymore because I was just a student and then I ended up becoming coach and everyone was like, you used to be our peer. Now you're our coach. Like some people started, you know, going to other schools and stuff and it started going down. So they were going to close down and I ended up taking over. So that's a short story or it's a long story, but just made Which short. We'll come back to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that's why I, uh, I fell in love in fighting. And so I started doing that. And then I, I had, had to get us, I dropped out of college, uh, with that excuse And I said I was going to come back, which I never did. And um, start, I got a second job. So I would work during the day from 8 in the morning all the way to like 2 p.m. Go to go home, shower, eat, and then be at the gym by 4 all the way to 9 p.m. Every day. Just working, grinding, grinding, grinding. And it was really cool because around those years, uh, I ran into uh, this, I guess you could say, motivational speaker or just entrepreneur, Gary Vee. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, That's what he would say that you have to do and stuff. And I'm like, yes, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I drop out of college right now. <laughs> it was so awesome. And uh, so that motivated me. And I just kept doing it for years and years and years. Uh, how many years? Probably like like two-ish, about two and a half years. And um, ended up the gym p being able to pay for itself. And then I kept working. And then the gym was able to pay me for what like the same amount of money that I was making at my other job. So then that's when I quit my other job and then I doubled up my time but just into my own business instead of having a, spending all my other time in that someone else's business and then mine all my time in there and then just it's I kept growing, kept growing, kept growing and we have close to almost 200 members now. 200 members. Yeah. Wow. So It's why jiu-jitsu, señor? Why is why is jiu-jitsu so special? So I think the jiu-jitsu the reason why it is different from the rest of the martial arts is because one of the main reasons that people will easily grasp is in jiu-jitsu you can you're everyone well in all martial arts and all sports and stuff like that everything's competitive who's better than who right but in boxing and kickboxing and stuff like that you can never go 100% during practicing during practice or at least not all the time going 100% so everyone's always holding back and everyone's always like whoa I was holding back, man. You know, I was going light. You know, I wasn't going hard. I'm just practicing. Like, and, like, I, it was a real fight. I could have still... So you kind of always have that little ego yeah. thing over people and that chip on your shoulder. Like, this was a real fight. We're just practicing, man. I'm just working on me. And da, da, da. <laughs> In jiu-jitsu, every day you are finding out who is better than who. Every single day. And you want to put it to the test, so you go hard. And then, you know, you could... So we could, like, talk crap to each other, you know, joking around and stuff. And then when it's time to roll, it yeah. gets squashed or called out or proven or not or disproven. And then you have something on them today. So that makes jujitsu people the most humble because you're never going to always be the hammer. You're sometimes you're always going to be a nail, too. You know, just bump, bump, bump. It's, so you're always... You're never talking crap to anybody. You're always being nice to anybody because as soon as someone comes all mean and cocky, everyone's always like, ooh, I can't wait to roll with that guy and kick his ass. <laughs> you know, and it's going to come. And then uh, we happens, it happens all the time. People show up to the gym like a new guy and they're like walking around. And then right away you're just like, oh, here we go. 
and like, oh man, yeah, I got I got experience and like mostly street fights, but this and that. Just <laughs> mostly like, street fights. I mean, you, you think I'm kidding, man? This happens <laughs> so often, and it's just like, oh. and you know, you can't be like, oh, you're annoying, dude. But so it's just like, oh, really? Like, dang, that's crazy, man. Ooh, street fights are crazy. We've all our, we've had all we've all had our fair share, right? And oh, well, this is good, man. You then you you'll be you'll be fine here, man. And here and then start rolling, and then I'll be like the big guy. I'll get one of my talented little 15-year-olds. Hey, roll with this guy. And then they'll be like, hey, I'm going to roll with this kid. And then just watch the kid just tear them up. Smaller, skinny, you know, 14, 15-year-old kid. Just tear up a grown man. Choke him out. Arm bar him. Do everything to them. And just watching their face, how immediately it changes from, like, the whole yeah. to... Uh-huh. And they're wow. like, wow. And it, that's a make-or-break moment for a lot of people. Either they're like, ah, jiu-jitsu isn't for me, this ground stuff, you know, I just like to stand, you know what I mean? Or they're like immediately like engulfed, like, oh my God, I've been living this life. This is what I want to know. This is real. And then just they completely get into jiu-jitsu and then they become a humble person like that. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. I've seen it happen so many times. It's that, amazing. Wait, we were talking about how, I mean, it's one thing during practice, during the gym time, but that also helps like people's personalities. Um, I mean, there's a lot of benefits so, from it, like outside the, the sport itself. So for me personally, it benefited me a lot on um, not I after training for a few years. I never I haven't I don't remember the last time I got into a street fight. And there's been situations even recently a situation and where someone just just yelling at me and cussing me out. And it's funny now to me. It's just like, seriously. And just kill like, you in a they're second? just enraged yeah. and like ah, and it's just like over. You're you're trying to like get into an altercation with someone you don't even know over something so dumb over parking over. What was it? If you don't mind me asking, um, yeah, I'll sure? go. I'll go into it. Um, so we're we're right behind La Gorda food restaurant and okay. their drive-through. It's they have everybody loves La Gorda. I eat La Gorda yes. all the time. Yes, La Gorda. They just should beautiful. sponsor us. Thank you. <laughs> And um, so they get packed. Their drive-through gets full, so they 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 don't they can't even take out the burrito. Dude, it's the small place at Can Saragossa, right? Is that the one you're talking about? The one, one on Intervino. No, the one on Intervino. Okay. So they can't bring the burritos out fast enough for the line that's coming in, right? So they have them. They ask him to wait over here on the side, and these cars wait in front of our parking lot. And it's been going on for years, you know. I've been at that location seven years now, and. It's always happened. Eh, whatever. I don't care. I'll just move around or ask them, excuse me, I'm trying to park. And then eh, they move, whatever. But it's weird. Like, I don't know what's been happening. People are becoming more like, I'm the weird guy. Like, they're waiting. And then I'm like, oh, excuse me. Like, I can't get my car. And I'm like, you're just, they're not even parked in a parking space. They're just standing like that. And I'm like, I'm trying to, and they're just like, oh, like, I'm going to get my burrito. It's like, dude, I don't care about your burrito. I'm <laughs> trying to park, move, you know? But I don't say that, but I'm just like, yeah. this time, or I'll just maneuver around in a way. This time there was two cars parked side by side like that. And I'm just like, really? I couldn't even get in. And I'm telling, I'm like this lady, I'm like signaling her like, excuse me, like, um, I'm trying to get in. And she's like looking at me like all weird, like with an attitude. And I'm like, like what? Like, <laughs> you don't understand this? Like, that this is not, you can't just, that there's other stuff or in this world other than you. And roll down my window to like tell her. And she was like, hi boy, hi boy, hi boy. Oh, and I'm just like, let's get this in. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, there was this guy in the car. Oh. And I, and he was started cussing me out. And like, what, what? And like going all crazy and yelling at me. And I'm just like, oh, what? I'm going to start yelling back. I'm not going to get into a yelling match over a burrito. 
you know, over parking. So I'm just like. <sighs> was there a moment though que dijiste, me bajo y le parto su madre yes. or no? Yes, you okay. could think that. But what's good, and this is where jujitsu comes into play 100%, is you are rational, you don't get heated, and you don't let emotions take over where you start making your decisions based off emotion. And that's something I tell even my little kids. I'm like, you cannot get mad. This is the point. They're trying to beat you up. They're trying to make you mad and frustrate you. So you shouldn't be getting frustrated and stuff because then you're breaking and that's how they're winning. And then you're going to start making decisions off of emotion. It's going to make things worse. You know, now you're falling into their traps. Now you're going to make things off of emotion. You're not thinking rational and you're making worse decisions where this person is now going to capitalize even more on you. Yeah. So that came into mind. I'm like, should I just start talking back? And I'm like, no, don't do that. Just park. If he gets down and like comes at you, then you will defend yourself. But... Then if that happens, you know, like if he comes at me and then I end up fighting this dude and could very easily probably do something to him really bad, either two options. he's The cops are going to show up and they're going to arrest either one of us. Who knows which one? Maybe me, maybe the other guy doesn't know. Or he's going to end up leaving. But then I come back the next day to the gym, all my windows are broken or, yeah. you know, this or they're waiting for me with bats. Or, or what if he got down from the car with a weapon? It's just like over what? You know, like... What's the risk for reward? Like, what's am I? I'm gonna teach this guy a lesson to re or for respect. I'm not gonna change that guy. That guy's gonna be the same forever. Who am I to teach this guy a lesson? You know. So well, oh yeah, the high school Cristobal would have kicked this. The high school sure. Cristobal would have like ah, started <laughs> yelling too and like telling him all these things. Also, you don't know who I am. You know, right? The typical. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. And then um, the re one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on so we can talk about this because I know there's there's this one guy that started jujitsu. Maybe about five years ago from work, right? And I remember this person coaching this person, talking to this person about, I don't know, something, right? And always there was always this person being negative, always excuses, always like of blaming something of, of like that specific thing that I'm talking about at work. But it, it, it was always not this person's fault. It was always mm, blaming someone, something. No exactly. And like you said, like I can do something to coach you on some expectations to talk to you about. Pero ya, even if you do it, if you tell me that you're right, you're not, you're not, it has to start within, and, and again, a lot See, of so jiu-jitsu teaches you that, They too. have to look at this here, and then little by little, within, I don't know, a year or two years, not, this is a person that I don't interact with or interact with on a daily basis, but um, I did notice a change. Like, later on with this guy, pues ya le decíamos cosas, whatever, and even the reputation from this person, like, change. Instead of being that negative Nancy over there, like, <laughs> ya el vato, ya, okay, well, tell me how I can get better. Or, you know, nice. when I get like this, let me, um, give me some feedback, tell me right away. Like, very receptive, all of a sudden, yeah. y, y todos se ponen, pues, ¿qué le pasó a este chavo, no? <laughs> and guess what? Like, That's when we, awesome. like, awesome. when you really see it, I attribute that to that, right? Definitely. It's for a few reasons. Um, one, because if you don't want to accept that you're wrong, you're going to stay in that same position. That's in everything, right? But in jiu-jitsu, mm -hmm. you're not accepting that you're wrong or you made a mistake. You're going to keep getting tapped out and you're going to keep cho getting choked. You're going to keep getting hurt in the same exact way over and over and over. You're not going to have fun anymore. Then why do you keep going to go get choked out over and do the same, commit the same mistakes over and over and over? Two, some people don't want to accept the wrong. So this is, these are the, this is the, the lesson that's beautiful about jujitsu. Say I get caught in an armbar, you know, my arm is getting extended, hyperextended. I don't want to accept, some people don't, the beginners usually don't accept that they're caught and they, they don't tap. 
and then they're like, no, no, I'm fine. And, like, and their arms fully extended, and all that's left to do is that person just put their hips into it and do it anymore. So they're not accepting, and then that boom, they get hurt. And they're like, oh, dude, that guy went hard. It's like, no, dude, I was watching you, bro. He had you in an armor for like 20 seconds, and you weren't accepting. You got to accept that you're like defeat. You made a mistake. Be humble and be like, boom, you got me, bro. You're a better man. And learn from it. You got to learn from your mistakes, you know? And another thing is being like your own uh, critique, like your biggest critique. And like criticize what you're doing. Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, and like why do, you start recording yourself and looking at your matches and being like, yeah, dang, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. That's where I should have done this. Why do I keep doing that? Ah, you know what I mean? So you start analyzing yourself and then asking for feedback because that's the best way. We're all in the same journey, you know, going on the same path, making the same mistakes. We all make mistakes. No one thinks you're perfect. No, you don't have, some people think, feel they have to uphold this standard that they somehow think that everyone thinks that they're perfect, so they have to lie and, like, not accept that they didn't do it. No accountability for anything. It wasn't me. It was their fault. Everything else is everyone else's fault. It's like, dude, no one thinks you're perfect, bro. It's okay if you wouldn't make them. Just be like, oh, yeah, that was me. Oh, I messed up. It's all right, dude. Simple as that. Instead... They have this lie that they have to say whose fault it was, and then another lie, and then another lie, and then another lie on top of a lie, and then just and you have to remember that. So when it comes back again, that you don't forget the, the, to say the truth instead of that lie that you were supposed to be saying. So, what do you think that happens? Why? Yeah. Why do you think people like that? Ego. Ego. Yeah, definitely. Ego. Why? Why ego? Yeah. Well, they, people. There's like two. There's two of us inside, right? It's like ourself and then our ego the one that wants us to be better or aspire to be better and um we want we're we're we let ego take over more and not accept reality for what it is i guess um i don't know how i to think go we're afraid to, to seeing like the real me or the real person or i mean it gets we, we can talk about this um for for days but the truth is that i think exactly i mean i i share the same concept with you as far as ego why we do it it's just funny when you analyze like why 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 you get into the reason behind it you'll find out it's something really simple you know what i'm i'm just i'm vulnerable because this is what happened to me when i was a kid it, it turns out to be something else that if you could have opened at the beginning you could have seen way different results from just opening up at first without wasting so much and time. And just accepting it, right? It. Like, just mm -hmm. be like, yeah, that's that's definitely my mistake. That's definitely my flaw. Like, dang, I suck. I suck at that. And that's okay. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I definitely have more questions, comments regarding that mindset piece, of, um, of course. But just to end this, this subject, let me just tell, hopefully this guy is watching this episode and he now understands how lucky he is that you guys, you didn't do anything to <laughs> or him. Not, or maybe he has a big ego and he's like, I would have fucked that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go look for a, what yeah, did you yeah, say, bro? Yeah. That was your fault. That's <laughs> what? Oh, that's that was your fault, bro. You're the one. Oh, like, that would be fun if he comment that. Oh, no, he can put it on the comments, though. And I'm still bro. mad because of my burrito. <laughs> because of my burrito. Uh, that's funny. Senor, let's, let's go back to, okay, you're jiu-jitsu. You're already taking over the gym. But when is it that you started to go into MMA as a pro fighter? Because he says, okay, I'm good at this. So now let me I didn't that start jump. fighting until I was a purple belt. Okay. Um, How old were you, if you don't mind? How old was I? I was, um, I want to say 23, 22-ish. Mm -hmm. I think that's how, that's how old I was. I got into King of the Cage. Um, I had a kickboxing coach at the time at the Tech. Uh, I don't know where he teaches now. 
And he just showed me basic. I had two coaches. I have my Muay Thai coach, Manny Varela. He's a, our main coach here at my gym still. Ever since day one, he's been the, our Muay Thai coach. And then I had also, I started exploring other types of martial arts. And um, I met Ed the Tech, and it was just a different type of kickboxing. But he had a connection with King of the Cage, where I met John Judy, the promoter for King of the Cage. Uh, great guy. Um, we established a great relationship. Um, you know, we understood each other very well. We got along awesome. And uh, he just kept getting me fights over and over and over again. Uh, all my fights, all my amateur fights were in King of the Cage. Um, then he had a, in his gym Ray Borg. He's a UFC pro fighter at the time. He was around my weight class also. So he would have me go down. He would uh, drive me down or pay for my bus ticket down to Albuquerque or up to Albuquerque uh, for Ray Borg's fight camps, me and Chuy Urbina, uh, my cousin. And um, so we just were just getting experience. It was that time where we were just where I burst out of my bubble of not just being in El Paso or traveling was such a big commitment kind of thing. For me now, traveling is just so simple and so something that you have to do to grow as an individual, you know. Uh, I don't want to just be a person of El Paso, you know. I want to be a person of this whole region around me, you know, where I'm constantly in Austin and San Antonio and Houston and Tucson and Albuquerque and Santa Fe, Phoenix. I go down to Mexico as often as possible as well. And um, it's great to meet all these different types of people. It's it's awesome. But tra uh, uh, traveling makes you a better person because you meet different walks of life, different cities and It's hard being from El Paso and traveling so much. I get so uh, envious of my homies from like San Diego and um, and L.A. because Las Vegas is like three hours away. Between San Diego and L.A., it's two hours. And they Phoenix got everything. Well. And Phoenix, it's so close. I'm like, dude, Albuquerque is the easiest, the closest, and that's four hours. Tucson is five-ish. Phoenix six, everything is four hours and up. There's nothing within two hours, maybe Midland and stuff, but it's that's smaller than us. You know, it's not like a big city, so it's it's good to travel. And um, once I started doing that, it it just the possibilities just kept multiplying and growing and growing. And then it it was a time where I had to make a name for myself, and um, I was already done making a name for myself here in El Paso. I know I knew everybody from all the schools. Everybody knew me. It was a great relationship too, and um, I wanted to. It was, I was I was done with you know, I was you know maybe the ego in me was saying like I had already took over El Paso right, but it's not necessarily taking over. But you know I had already established like a network within El Paso, so I had to expand more and more and more. And um, Ten Planet, the Ten Planet Network and Ten Planet uh, system is huge. We have back in the day, I don't know how many schools we were when um I, when we first started uh, Ten Planet El Paso. I'm thinking like around eighty something, and now there's over two hundred uh, schools around the world. Where, you know, I I still want to consider myself the young guy. I'm thirty years old now. I want to consider myself the young guy, and I'm not the young guy anymore. And it's just like, oh hey, I was in Tenth Planet, um. Portland, Oregon, and uh, the coach said he knows you. I'm like, oh yeah, Phil Schwartz. Yeah, I've been known, I've known that guy for this many years. Oh hey, I was I was at in Vegas, and uh, the coach says he knows you. I'm like, oh yeah, Casey, he's my homie, dude. I was with I was I met him back in Buena Park over in California. I don't know how it's like. And then to myself, I'm just like, dang, it's been. <laughs> 
it's been i feel i've been around (laughs) yeah one of my first students um his name is jonathan he is i don't know i want to say like 24 now or something like that he wrestled in college and he's like a collegiate wrestler comes back into town he's just like this huge athlete that's like my training partner now where he was like a little kid when i was training him and i still feel like he's that little kid and now he's just like a huge badass athlete now he's starting his career in mma and in grappling it's super how does that feel i'm sure i don't even know how to explain that feeling it's it i feel old for sure (laughs) but other than that which is not that that's not the important part of what how it feels i feel achieved and um also like for example this whole covid thing and other past experiences before that have put to test have put me to a test where you reap what you sow or you what's the word you uh, like in spanish cosechas lo que plantas i guess that's mm-hmm. that's the saying um i've always treated everyone with the best of my ability i've always um wanted to contribute something positive to everyone's lives um helping everyone around me you know be that good vibe in someone's day you know that kind of person and um during covid and stuff like that where everything was going down we were closed for months and stuff all my people were so so um loyal and so uh what's the word supportive Supportive. yes supportive and just never let me down you know there were some people that had to cancel their memberships and stuff like that because you know for i don't judge anyone for that you know they lost their job or they they were you know they had to cut back on expenses but the majority of everyone just stuck with us and just it was it was so humbling and awesome and when i see um students come back when they already went to college and stuff and then they're looking for me and stuff like that oh that's so awesome i feel like it's rewarding because you know like you reap what you sow kind of thing i'm Helped everyone out the best of my ability, and it comes back to you always at the end. And now um, it's outside the sport because there's one thing you've been a great coach, so that you helped me through that. But you know now as a person that you're also doing a good job, right? Yes, yes, it's it's very uh, beneficial. And then when I see like parents also that I run into later, and they're looking for me, and then the parents are the biggest ones uh, to support. I I don't know want to say I think I want to say biggest because. They see what you contribute into their kids' lives, and you and I've seen some kids change completely, you know, and they're awesome individuals, and they end up not having to do jujitsu that or they don't want to do jujitsu anymore, stuff like that, and that's okay, you know, like I'm not gonna judge someone or hate someone because they decided that's not what they want to do, but at least they contributed something in their lives where they're now they have a better outlook on it on how to go through life, you know, looking for the challenges and overcoming obstacles, and you know, always looking at the glass half full and there's a to every negative there's a positive and just that that is what you learn from jiu-jitsu and you could apply it to any other sport if they decide to do another sport it's the same thing you know i'll talk to people that are professionals in other sports and i'm telling them over here about jiu-jitsu and they're like yeah that's what it's like in baseball and and i'm just like oh shoot that's exactly (laughs) the same i never saw baseball that way like damn so it's not just about so you could everyone learns their own um their they they have their own life lessons in their own crafts, you know, and what they love to do in life. Yeah, no, no, no. that's a hundred percent accurate. Let me ask you: Do you remember your first fight, professional fight, MMA fight? My first professional fight, yes, I think that was here in El Paso, actually, at the Socorro Entertainment Center. We brought King of the Cage. So, this is where I was working hard so much. I was managing already. I was managing probably like four or five fighters while I was fighting as well. So. 
we were selling a lot of tickets too because we wouldn't get paid too much. We would get a certain amount of money to show and a certain amount of money to win. But also, we would get 20% of ticket sales. Yeah. And it was hard. We would sell some tickets when we would go to Albuquerque and Santa Fe and stuff. But it wasn't a lot. But then we started, it was like a few of us already that were selling a lot of tickets. And um, we convinced uh, King of the Cage and we found, we talked to like venues and stuff like that to bring it to El Paso. And when we brought it to El Paso, we were half of the card. There was like 15 fights total. Half of them were from my gym. And um, oh, it was so awesome to finally be the home guy. You know what I'm saying? Because I was used to coming out and everyone just boo, boo, or just quiet. And then the other guy coming out and everyone just like, ah. And they don't even let you pick your own song, but that guy... Or they would tell you that you can't, no, you can't pick your own song. But that guy would come out to his favorite song and just like, boom. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And that's just kind of like, it's okay, you know. It's a different, it's a way of uh, being motivated also in a different way. You know, like, you're fine. I'm here to ruin the party for everyone. That's cool. I'll be that guy for you guys, you know. That's cool. Like, I'll take that in that way too, you know. But when you're at home and everyone's yelling for you, it was, it's it's amazing. It makes a big difference. Yeah, people think that you can't really hear it. I mean, at that level, there was like I think there was like four thousand people there. Four thousand. people. Yeah, there was like there was a lot of people there. It was it was packed, and um, yeah, I could still hear you know, and I could depict who was the one yelling for me then. Even though it was your first professional fight, but of course, a lot of people were there to to see you as as a yes, pro. Yes, because first I fight. had already had six amateur fights. Oh, okay. And I was six and zero. I was undefeated, so that was gonna do my pro debut. Uh, and then here in El Paso, and phew, it was awesome. It wow. Was well, at any point, were you scared making that transition from jiu-jitsu to MMA? No, I, was, I didn't even think about it. I was just, like, excited for it. I just wanted to do it and prove my jiu-jitsu. And it's funny because I was so I, – maybe I was scared because I came out – I would always come on 100 miles an hour. And um, later I didn't – you know, I was a little bit more because you're more – you're in your zone and comfort comfortable but at first i'd come out 100 miles an hour and i would you know it's not me showing off in any way but i would finish i finished like my first four guys like in 20 seconds each you know and i was like proud of that at first but then i spoke to I actually spoke to mondo once uh, mondo rosales he's the the owner and instru head instructor at zen martial arts on the west side and he was telling me once about his amateur fight and like I was like so what's the game plan or what was going on he's all nah dude we're just we're honestly going to try to take it to the decision uh first round we're going to feel him out do this and that second round we're going to try to like you know impose this game plan and then third round we're going to you know make our adjustments try to impose that same maybe a different game plan and then just try to get the, take it to decision and I'm like why <laughs> I'm like it's, this is about winning you're supposed to just try to win you know that's what I was told always and he's like well it's just amateur man no one really cares I want him to get as much time as possible in there and experience and I'm just like that makes so much sense what the hell I had fought like four my four amateur fights all together were probably like a minute and a half two minutes and you were experience. thinking that you were doing so great, but thinking about it in that it, way. But I only had like, that. Yeah. I only had like a couple minutes in the cage of experience, and I already wow. had that, like four fights, as opposed to just you know elongating it more, and you know going to waiting to the second, third round, and you know who cares about your? Because no one really cares about your amateur career. It's no, no one's worried about. Hey, what was uh, Conor McGregor's amateur career? No one knows. Who cares? He could have been zero in a hundred. Doesn't matter. Wow. <laughs> so then let's talk about, and this is the fight that I was watching earlier, and it was so good, by the way, where you went to Bolivia and fought R Ronnie Perragón, I believe that's his, his name. I don't know if it was your third or fourth fight. 
Uh, I think it was my fourth, but I think on the on the screen it said it was like my second fight or something. Yeah, but yeah, something it was my like fourth that. fight. I'm almost positive. The reason why I really want to talk about this one is because it was in Bolivia where um, this guy was fighting from from his hometown, right? Yeah. And exactly what you said, as far as you you walked out with a mariachi, and I was like, that's so. Cool. And then being your third I fight, tell, I tell I tell everyone that story. How what an emotional moment that was for me. Um, they had told me they were they were gonna they were doing like a country versus country thing. The whole theme of like that whole night, and um, they were gonna have. They told me they were gonna rec- I was gonna come out with mariachis, and like I was like, hell yeah, that's cool. And like, but never really like understood the magnitude of yeah. it. Because to me, as a Mexican, and my dad's from Mexico City, and my mom's from Juarez. Um, it's a big thing, you know, and my mom is super like ranchera, you know, my, 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 uh, grandfather had ranches in Villamala and stuff. And we grew up listening to mariachis and actually uh, recently for, who was it for Mother's Day or something? I brought my mom serenata with mariachis. She loves mariachis. So I grew up with that. And, um, it was like, what song are you going to pick? And my mom's out telling me all these, like, love songs. I'm like, Mom, I'm not going to come out <laughs> to that. I, 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 Juan Gabriel de Lucha Libre. No, Mom, <laughs> Amor Eterno. Yeah. No, dude. Like, are you kidding me? It has to be something like... Uh, like hardcore Powerful, and like super yeah. Mexican, but like known. And yeah. so we p- I picked El Son de la Negra. I just visualized it like, dun, 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 like, and then me walking out, I was like, ooh, that, that one. So cool. And then never crossed my mind again. I was out there warming, like training for a couple days. And then um, the day of the fight, I was warming up. I had my, my headphones on. I was warming up to my own music. I'm over here listening to like Cartel de Santa and just like, that's something that I always listen to before competing. I just, I just feel like super pumped and already. Yeah. Pumped and I'm going to kill somebody kind of thing. And then uh, they're like, all right, Cristal, you're next. Boom. So I'm like, all right, cool. Took off my headphones and I'm walking out. Never remembered again. I was like in the zone, like in my my head. Never f- remembered about the mariachi. So you're walking out. You have to walk through the hallway around back. And then right where I'm getting to, like where I'm going to come out, boom, the, all the mariachis are there. And I'm just like, <gasps> it was. I almost like cried. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I was like, oh, shit. And then the guy, the charro, the main guy, he was like, Le trajimos esta guaripa también, no sé si la quiero. And I had the baseball, the Mexican team's baseball hat. Because my dad plays baseball, I was going to kind of wear that for him. Like, if you want to wear this. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, dad. A flag, no, una bandera? No, no, the... Oh, the hat. The hat. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, I put that on and then came out. Oh, my God. I was so pumped. I was like, ah, I was like in, I don't know, a state of ecstasy kind of thing. When I was in the cage... There's, I was like, there's no way this guy's gonna beat me. It's impossible. Like, I was, he was done. He had already lost right there when I came out with that. And then just because I all, again, knowing my parents were watching all the way on the other side of the world, kind of thing, and like I was representing, you know, like my roots and stuff like that. It was, it was big and emotional for me, and um, I was ready for that. And then he came out to like their their um version version or like their folkloric song whatever it it is so gay (laughs) i mean no offense to gay people i'm not gay it was so not comparable to let me let me describe it it was like a little someone that is not familiar with that it's like it had like a little what's the name the like a drummer boy (laughs) timba oh what's it called that's the name it was similar to that 
music was it Timba the one that you're like with two, two sticks it was, I don't know how to explain it but it was so not not at that level that you had not showed up even for sure. close <laughs> to El Son de la Negra you know what I mean <laughs> and uh, I was just like pff, kind of inside the cage I was like dude this guy's done now but even he though was really good <laughs> even though everybody was rooting for him Yes. So he was really good. I was the outsider. He was in his hometown and he was like a little star there because he had yeah. they, he had all these highlight reels of knockouts and shit. And I think his brother's also a fighter was a fighter. Yeah, right? they Something had like, like a that. gym. I, was, I don't know. And um, they were really good kickboxers. And um, I was just going out there and taking him down. And once I was in, had him on the ground, I was just controlling him and beating him. I almost submitted him like really badass with the submission, but the time ended. And then it went to the second round. And we went into a little bit of a striking match. Took him down again. And uh, had an arm bar on him. And it was like a spider web arm bar, which is like a 10th planet traditional move. So right when I was there, I was like, yes, all my 10th planet people, you know, like, boom, this is some points for us, you know, because I'm doing some 10th planet move. And uh, I ended up winning with a triangle arm bar, I think. And uh, it was awesome. And then everyone just booing me. Cause yeah. It, oh, it was even cooler, you know. Cause so I get on the I cage to, like, and, with the flag. And and I, I blew yeah. kisses at them because they were booing me and stuff. And then um, it was cool because I won him back. Cause afterwards they interviewed me and well in the cage they interviewed me and I'm just like you know what like that's cool that you guys back him up keep doing that like it feels amazing I'm used to because I had already fought here in El Paso like I think we fought three events here so I was like I'm used to being the home guy hometown guy and it feels amazing to have your city and your country uh, completely behind you and cheering you on. Uh, he's an amazing fighter, you know, just tonight was my night, and um, thank you guys for having me, and everyone just like, ah, cheered yeah. me after that, I was like, take that. Yeah. No, no, that was so cool. Senor, walk us through the first minute of any fight that you have, well, especially MMA, that you're like, I'm sure that you're nervous, right, you're maybe expecting, how can you describe that feeling to maybe someone that is not into MMA, or not even fighting at all, like that first minute of, are you scared, afraid, it's, what's going on? I don't think it's scared anymore. At first, like the first few fights, you are kind of like in autopilot mode where you don't really re afterwards, you don't really remember much of it until you see the video. You're like, oh, yeah, I did do that. Oh, yeah, that did happen, you know, kind of thing. But once you gain experience, you are, it's just another day at, you know, in the cage, just fighting. Once you've been fighting for years and years and years. But at first, you know, um, I feel like one of the hardest fights that I had was for Combate Americas in LA. I took the fight like on a two weeks notice, but it was like a big, it was a big fight. So I had to do it. I was like, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. So I went out there and it was a good guy from Anaheim that was like a collegiate wrestler. And, uh, but he was, and I was expecting a wrestling match and that's what I wanted, you know, cause I'm a jujitsu guy. I prefer to fight on the ground, but, uh, he was over here just striking me. And I guess he knew I wanted this, the ground fight, but see, that's why wrestling is probably the most dominant martial art in MMA because you get to dictate where the fight takes place. If you're a wrestler with okay striking and you're fighting a striker, like a guy that's super striker, you're just going to take him down, take him out of his element and beat him in the ground. But if you're a wrestler with okay striking and you're fighting a grappler like that guy was fighting me, I'm more, I was more of a grappler, he didn't let me take him to the ground. And he made it into a striking match. Took me out of my element. I mean, I did. I was able to take him down a few times, which I think is what won me the fight. But I wasn't able to capitalize on the ground. He took me one down once, and I started going for a submission. You could hear the corner. Stand up, stand up, get out of there. You know, get, don't go into that grappling match with him. And he would. And uh, I actually was able to 
strike him and out I guess you could say outstrike him as well too so you know it was lucky but ooh, it was it's crazy that feeling where you're gassed and super tired and the fight is still going on do you know what I'm saying where at practice you could be like All right, hold on dude I'm tired maybe like let me take this round off coach and you can't do that in every fight right you're just well here's another round bro it doesn't matter if you're tired or, or, okay are you calling it you want to lose it or what you know what I'm saying or are you going to give up and then that's where your heart comes in you know, that's where the Mexican pride comes in also of, like, who's watching and how are you going to, your kids are going to watch this later. My kids weren't born yet, but, you know, you're, you're going to watch this later. Your family's going to watch this later. And, like, what are you demonstrating right now? Are you a coward or are you a guy that's going to fight till the end, you know? And that's always good to, you know, have in your back pocket just in case you do start gassing out and getting tired to, like, you know, get that second wave of energy and pride. So that's what happened. And I, I luckily won a decision and... um it, everything came out good. I was nice. pretty messed up, but uh, everything came out great. Was this your fourth fight? Was this your think, dream? Yeah, I think it was my fourth fight. It was, was no, you know what? That was my third fight, and then right after that is when I fought in Bolivia. Oh, okay. That was my so fourth fight. Let's talk about fourth your fights fight. after your fourth fight, after the Bolivia ah, one. Man. <laughs> so I, I went undefeated amateur. I went 6-0 amateur, and then I went 4-0 pro, and then... My girl was expecting a baby, or we, we thought it was just a baby, and um, I fought in Wisconsin or Wichita, one of those W states, <laughs> over by Michigan, kind of up there, and um, I got clipped, I went for a kick, I got clipped and dropped, and when I was coming up, the guy came up on top of me and started hitting me in the back of the head, which is an illegal move, knocked me out completely, ice cold, and then I guess one of the other punches woke me up again. So I get up and the referee had already taken that dude off of me. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? And he was like, I stopped it because he was hitting you in the back of the head. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I just lost. But then he said he was hitting you in the back of the head. And I was like, damn, so I like what? I won? Like, I don't want that either, you know? Like, and then he, I was just like super confused. I didn't even know what day it was. I didn't know nothing. I thought the fight had already happened and everything. And then the referee was like, I'm going to give you some time to recover. And I was like, yes, all right, cool. So I paced back and forth a little bit. And I was like pissed, you know, because like, I was like, and this guy was like on the other side of the cage already celebrating. And then it turns out he didn't win. And then I was like, what the hell? I'm like, damn, I was pissed. And um, so I was like, he's already ready. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go. So we just kept going. And uh, right there, super the. I was the only person there, me with my two guys in my corners, and uh, no one else. You know, like everyone else was against us, and that guy was, was like on a winning streak and stuff. So I only had one of my brother's friends that uh, I grew up with, you know, like I grew up around, and he was the one, only one there, coincidentally, that he lived there. And he was like, dude, what? Your brother's? He's like, yes, yeah, go watch him. So he went, and that was the only guy that was there for me. <laughs> and, um,. Was it a knockout? Was no, it a decision? No, so oh. I came back, and I came out just striking him, trying to punch him in the face. That's all I was trying to do the rest of the fight, and he was running the whole time. Running the whole time. He would take me. He was a wrestler. He would take me down at the end of the round, and I would be over here trying to work a submission. The round time would end. Same thing the third round. He would run away, run away, and it just he just won, and he just won a decision that way. So pissed. But honestly, I feel my life changed a little bit. I, had a, I suffered a big concussion, and um, I... 
it was it was like everything was foggy for months for months yeah definitely months maybe even years you know that it's it's a different so that made me um um analyze what my fight camp was what i was doing to prepare for these fights and i was my own coach kind of thing i was training other fighters i was doing everything by myself so it's it's hard when you're on your own coach because when you do want to kind of start being a little bit lazy who's going to tell you to not who's going to push you to do that next level nobody your student's not going to be like hey man stop being a pussy you know he's not going to say that to you and you're and i'm going to be able to be like no hold on dude i gotta go do this and then all right coach you know, so I noticed that about myself and I was like, golly, and then I was just, you know, like also a little distracted when I was about to have a baby, you know, and then um, I got another fight and it was a how re- long ago that how long ago after that fight did you I get the remember. other one? I don't remember. I want to say maybe a few months later, like six months later, because my kids were already born. Were they already born? So it wasn't that long that you had to wait over a year or anything like that. It was... No. And it was a rematch. I had won the first fight uh, against this guy in a decision. And it was a rematch. And his uh, his name was Kevin Worth. He's a a friend of mine now, you know? Like, even after that first fight, uh, he was a really cool guy. I love him. He's badass. And um, we ended up fighting again. And... I was so prepared for this fight, but I had been boxing so much with pro boxers and I had a guy that was just doing mitts for me a lot. And uh, I was training at Garcia's house of boxing with Josue Garcia. He helped me a lot prepare for this fight. God damn. It changed my perspective of how much a punch can hurt or like do damage to you that nothing else. Like when I would spar MMA guys afterwards, it's just like, this is nothing, you know, because it's just different, a different sport because in boxing, um, you're planted more on, I don't want to say your heels, but you are planted more and you have a wider stance because you don't have kicks to worry about and you don't have shots to worry about either where you have to be moving in and out of the pocket. You're, you could just stand there a little bit more and just bang. So there's more power, more hips going into all the punches. And in MMA, you're, little, you're a lot more on your toes and you're kicking and you're moving and you're punching and moving and being dynamic and going for a shot and sprawling on the shots and throwing kicks. And you got to be at a different range because there's kicks. So it's a whole different game. And I went in there trying to box this guy. I was already a brown belt in jiu-jitsu and uh, I was trying to box him. You know, again, why? Why? When I was doing the jujitsu, so it was good. I came out good. He was like running from, not running from, but he was, you know, being on the outside. I was controlling the cage. I was slipping his punches, and I caught him with a right hand, dropped him, boom, and I just went ham. I thought I was gonna finish him. He survived, weathered the storm, and then en- ended up on top. I took him off of me. I swept him. And we stood up, and then in one of the exchanges, he poked my eye, boom, hard. And it was just like something I had never felt in my life where I could, I was seeing double. It was just like, ah, and I was like moving and I was covering my eye a little bit. And I was like, thought I was going to be bleeding, nothing. And I'm moving, waiting for it. I was blinking, 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 you know, try to like, maybe, you know, like it was just a scratch and I'll heal a little bit, nothing. I was like, fine, I'm going to close one eye so I won't see double. That wasn't helping, you know, because. Was this you, in round one? This was in two. round one, at the end of round one. In between rounds, I'm telling my corner, I'm like, I can't see from my other eye, dude. Like, put, and then the referees are there, and you don't want to say that in front of the referee because then they'll stop the fight. And I was like, No, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just putting water in my eye. We're just putting water in my eye and see if that helped. Nothing. The rest of the fight, I could, I was just seeing double. It's crazy because you can't just close one eye either because your depth perception is, is off because you actually need both eyes to triangulate distance and be able to 
measure the distance. You know what I'm saying? That's actually why we have both two eyes instead of one. And um, so I couldn't do that. And then he cut me in the last round, like right here on my nose. I actually have a scar kind of. And uh, I was just bleeding like so much. I remember every time I'd breathe, the blood would go like, like through my mustache and stuff. And it was, it was, that was kind of cool. That made it kind of cool because I had never been in like that bloody of a fight before. And um, it, I was just drenched. We were both just drenched in blood, and um, he couldn't finish me. That that was like something that I had. I knew I was gonna lose a fight already because I couldn't get him. Um, I took him down, and I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't see, and um, he just kept punching and going at me and stuff. He cut me, and the the fight ended. And I was just like, ah, bro, like finish me. <laughs> and then he just laughed. He's like, bro, I was trying, God. <laughs> and that's it. He won a decision, and I was just so mad at myself, you know, because I did the wrong game plan, and also because I was there cornering uh, another one of my fighters, where you know some drama happened during that fight, and I'm over here warming up, but I, there was no one there to stand up for him, so I'm over here kind of standing up while I'm warming up. I came out, you know, and like it was. It, that's when I was just like, God, I need to, I need to rethink and not do this until I'm ready. Like I'm actually prepared and I could be 100% focused on myself instead of... When was the moment? Do you remember having that conversation within yourself as far as, okay, you know what, maybe I need to probably pause the, or... Probably the drive back or the week mm -hmm. after that, you know, um, my I talked to my brother a lot. My brother's a doctor in physical therapy and uh, he's like a neurotherapist. So he sees... Uh, he has patients that have suffered like huge brain traumas or like spinal cord injuries and stuff like that. And he's like, man, dude, I don't want to be the guy to tell you this, man, but I could really tell that you have suffered a few concussions, man, and it's sad because you're my brother and um, I don't want to be the one to tell you and like crash on your, like, you know, rain on your parade or anything, but like you're damaging yourself, man, and this is permanent stuff that you're not going to recover from and you really need to think if you're going to be doing this to take it serious to another level. Now you're fighting at another level where, and I was just like, God, I hate you, but you're right. You know, like I need to, you know, so that's, that's the conclusion that I jumped to. It's not that I'm going to quit or that I'm not going to. It's until I am a hundred percent focused on myself during that camp where I have a, someone to coach me where I have a, Uh, strength and conditioning regimen where I have you know what I mean like have I'm prepared for this as serious like if I'm like if I'm going to war kind of thing you know not just like yeah I train all the time man I'm in shape let's go do this it's that's not what it this is anymore you know especially with the record I had already it's not they're not gonna put me against some random dude and being a black belt also they're not gonna put me against some random dude they're gonna put me against some like known dude that's actually taking it serious also that wants to be somebody so I gotta be prepared and I was like Yeah, you're right. And then my kids were born, and it's just like, ah. Uh. So at the same time, they are the reason why I do want to fight again. Because I want them to see me fight. You know, I want them to have that in their memory. Like, I saw my dad fight, and he's a badass or whatever, right? So I don't want to go and get knocked out in front of them. Wow. <laughs> Makes sense. Let me ask you this. What are the things that need to happen? Because I've been hearing you a lot that you you know that you want to get back. That You talked about as far as the the how you're going to get back. What are some things that you're expecting for it to happen? Like, what what is the... Are you waiting for for you to get a call to say, okay, maybe this <laughs> no. is the fight? What's going on? No, if I went and looked for a fight, I for sure we could get one. I I, I know people, you know, um, friends of mine from 10 Planet that have UFC fighters and stuff like that. I could get an opportunity. and um, But here in town, I would have to go somewhere else to maybe train 
at least for a fight camp and be able to be away from my gym for my business for a month. You know, that's hard. You can't just do that. You can't just do that so easily. I do have very good staff now at my gym where I have a higher end, um, higher level uh, belts that take over classes when I'm out of town and stuff like that, that do support. But um, who knows, you know, like I feel the time will come and, you know, I can't pick when the, there's not going to be a perfect time, but It'll be a that'll be a better time for me to be ready for that. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing that, Senor. Let me ask you a question. Um, in fighting, of course, what is the difference? So, what is the separator between good fighters and great fighters? What's the difference? As uh, like, for example, I want to think Conor McGregor when he was under when he was like at the top. Um, because right now, I don't think I feel like he lost hunger. So you kind of have to be hungry. You have to have a vision. And know that it every anything is possible. You know, whatever you want to do, it is possible. It's just there's some things that you got to do. You know what I'm saying? And you got to be willing to eat, sleep, breathe, and bleed that goal that you want. You know, and nothing is going to hold you back. But you got to be realistic with yourself, too. I've had students like that, too, that, no, I am going to be the best and that. But they don't show up to practice. And it's like, dude, well, yeah, but you, you got to learn how to do this. Like, you can't just be reading quotes with lines on them <laughs> and think that that's going to make you become the best fighter. No, dude, you got to put in the work and you got to be realistic with yourself and take accountability for why you're losing at practice all the time and make adjustments and adapt and, uh, and adapt. I mean, also to be great, you all, I feel the greatest guys in the world right now. Um, they also have to be very talented. You know, they have something maybe genetically talented where, you know, they're more physically fit, But also, they have, it's the work ethic. Work ethic over anything. You know, you look at what Michael Jordan would do and Kobe Bryant would do. It's work ethic. They're just working. That's all they would do. Nothing would hold them back. Yeah, and no excuses as and far as... no excuses. Just learn from it and just adapt, adjust, and keep going, moving forward, moving forward. Uh, I, I don't know if I... I don't think I read this quote. I think I kind of thought about this myself. And it's like, um, the... Let me see if I can remember it. The winner has lost more times than the loser has ever attempted. Do you know what I'm saying? So it just, you just got the the best guys in the world have lost so many times. And it's not just like losing a fight or losing a game. They've lost at practice so many times. And they just keep going over and over and over. And then they win one. And then they lose, 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 lose. And they win another. And then they lose and they win. And they're just learning from every single time. You just They've lost so many times that now they're starting to win. and But people don't see that. You know, like, God, he's just, a, he's just always winning. Yeah, bro, but you didn't see him five years ago when he didn't know crap. And he was just getting his butt kicked all the time. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, one of my students now, he's, he's a head coach over in 10th Planet Las Vegas. He's killing it right now. He's becoming one of the best guys in the world. I want to say he's competing against top-level guys now. His name's Andy Varela. And I tell people, I'm like, dude, I remember when Andy was just a white belt and one of my, or a blue belt, and he would get so mad. He would be so, like, down on himself and heartbroken at the end of practice because we would beat him. And he would be like, man, I'm never going to beat you guys, man. I suck. And it's like, no, dude, like, you don't suck. He's like, dude, yes, I do, bro. Shut up. And, like... He'd be so hard on himself just because he always wanted to win, but we would still beat him just from experience. And so he started catching up to us, and then it was harder, and then he started beating us every now and then. 
And then that was like motivating him. And then like, oh shit, like I beat you. And like, yeah, dude, you got me. And like, bah. And then again, and then again, and again. And now he comes into town every now and then. And there's no way I could beat him. He's so good. He's gotten so, so good. But what I see in him, also, he was talented from the get go. He was a white, one of my white belts or blue belts. He was tapping out high level guys just out of talent. You know, he was athletic and. And he is athletic and just also that mindset that he has, I guess, too, that some people are born with it. You know, there's some things that you can't teach. You know, you can't teach heart. You know, some people are just born with it, you know, since they're little. I have, and I see it in little kids that are five years old that are, you know, they're like, who wants to do a super fight? And there's some, they're like, oh, shoot. There's, and so I'm like, me, me. And it's like, dude, you just got here. What do you mean? And they're like, I don't care, coach. I'll go. And it's like, I like that. Come on, let's go. Let's get him a match. And then they're like, <laughs> so you think they're born with that already? Yes. Yes. Okay. I used That's to think. Interesting. Yes, that convinced me that a lot of things are born with. You're born with, but I used to also think that a lot of thing in people's personality was taught, you know, by experiences or by parenting. Mm -hmm. But until my twins were born, oh my God, they've gone through the same experiences throughout their life. I treat them the same. I give them the same things. I take them to the same places. They're always together. But one reacts one way about things, and the other reacts completely different about things. I thought I was going to get two reactions of the same thing, you know, both of them doing the same thing. Completely different reactions, and it's just so mind-blowing and awesome to me, you know? Like, wow, this is crazy. Being a parent is amazing. And I tell my brother that, because my brother lives in Houston, and I had the perfect example where he lived it in the moment and he was like, he, I could see him have that huge like, whoa. So my brother for Christmas gave me a unicycle and I always wanted a unicycle as a kid. I thought, so that, was so cool. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. I still haven't learned how to do it yet. So there I am building it that day and one of my twins, Chris, comes and he sees me building it and he's like, Papa, it's to you, to you, Papa. And I'm like, see, cause he's mio. And then he's like, oh, cool. And he's like, oh, playing with his toys that he got. And then the other one, Maori, comes and he sees it. And he's like, it's mio, papa. It's mio. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's mio. Ah, papa. And then I looked at my brother. I'm like, Santi Vistezo. And he's like, damn, that's crazy. They lived almost exactly the same moment, the same experience, completely different. Uh, way to perceive it, you know what I'm saying? So, it, it, it's awesome. That, that, that's such a great example because you're absolutely right. I, I'm also with no. It depends on the experiences that you lived, your personality, maybe who. Yeah, but some. What, it, but I think it, a very exactly. small. We may think that a huge percent of our personality is based off experience and stuff. I'm sure there's some that are you know more traumatic than others where it does change your life. But like say a regular, you know, within the normal parameters of a life. Experiences probably contribute a small, small, or smaller than we may imagine as compared to what we're already born with, with like a lot of things. Wow. Okay. I feel like we can just spend an hour talking about that. By the <laughs> That's way. my conclusion for now. Okay. Um, okay. Things could change. You know, I could come back five <laughs> years from now and be like, no, bro, no. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you, Senor, for sharing. Let's talk about. MMA, Jiu-Jitsu in El Paso. As I was doing my research, I was finding, wait a second, this person lives here. Wait a second, this is a professional yeah. MMA fighter. Today, one of them is, is fighting, by the way. Um, 
And I'm like, wow, we have a big community of MMA, Jiu-Jitsu. Talk to us about that. Why, wh- why is that? I love it. Um, I feel when I started, it was not as huge. I want. I like to take... Uh, I'd like to take a little bit of uh, take all the credit. Of sir. credit. This is the podcast. Just for you. <laughs> go for it. Take all the credit. No, I take a little bit of credit that I've contributed um, some some uh, positive growth for the community as a whole. Just for being loud back in the day, loud on social media and posting just to try to get sales and uh, like selling tickets and stuff like that and trying to get sponsors, but. Uh, also, because since I was my own coach, I was barely a purple belt. I wanted to learn. I wanted to get beat all the time. I wanted to experience uh, what's the word a um, like enlightening mm-hmm. moment of getting like strangled or tapped out by someone way better than me, you know, and me be like, wow. How the heck did they do you that? You wanted to experience. Yes. You were looking for I that. love that. Wow. Every okay. time I would go to LA or something like that and uh, roll with the blackbird or something, that was, to me, that was so fascinating how someone so, and you could feel that their aggression or their strength wasn't even there. It was just technique, just, and then setting up traps in certain ways where you just fall for it and just bam, you just get tapped so easily and so quickly. To me, that's that was so uh, enlightening, you know? And um, I wanted to feel that. So um, I would always invite everyone, you know, because I'm like, well, I own a gym. I'm like, well, hey, would you be down to come to my gym? Like, and we'll just roll and stuff like that. And I feel like it was a turning point in our city as a whole because before everyone was like, no, like everyone was like their own, ooh, they had their own secrets or their own way of training and no, like, well, we'll only, you'll only see me at tournaments and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I wanted to roll with new people all the time. So I would invite everyone. And they'll be like, well, let me ask my coach. It's like, okay, yeah. What's the problem? You know, like, just, and then later, well, my coach said, why don't you come over here? It's like, oh. okay dude now this is weird you know now like dude i'm not trying to fight you you know like i'm just trying to roll you know like we do jujitsu why don't we do jujitsu together it's like people that play basketball they're not like whoa no like hey you want to play basketball at the park nah bro why don't you come over here like i'll play you over here my (laughs) like what dude you know what i mean or baseball hey let's go you want to come to my house bro let's just play catch nah bro you come to my house like it's not why is it like that you know i love jujitsu so much i wanted to do that with everybody and learn from everybody's different styles so i was like you know what man screw this i'm gonna start going when do you guys have open mat oh you guys have it on saturdays at this time hey guys who wants to go with me to open mat you want to come you want to go i'm going i'll drive We'll meet here and we'll go. So you would first drive out I of town. I would show up. No, okay. no, not just out of town. No, in town. In town. Okay. In town. Okay. Boom. Okay. Go to the the closest one was El Paso Jiu Jitsu, and we would go there all the time to open mats, and then we would just start, you know, rolling with everybody and figuring out their game and analyzing it and learning from them and and then going to another school and then another school and then another school and another school and we we would go to all the open mats in all of the city all the time. And we broke that like um, stigma. That stigma that was about ooh nobody trains with each other kind of thing, because everywhere else everyone trains with each other. In El Paso it was like a, ooh no, ooh no, like I'll meet you at the tournament, man. It's like dude, like it'll be different at the tournament, anyways. You know what I'm saying? Like who cares? And 
so we broke that stigma and that's how everyone started and then later people from other gyms started showing up to our gym and we're like oh shit, hey you guys how we met yeah welcome hell yeah dude and like cool and then we'd be like super cool and like choke each other out beat each other up and then afterwards super have great conversations and it's something that i tell people i'm like if you want to talk the most humble group of people that you will ever talk to is a group of jujitsu guys after practice because <laughs> everyone just beat the crap out of each other choke each other out you're just like fighting from getting killed pretty much you know because you're getting strangled or like getting your arm ripped off and then uh or just going to war with everybody and then afterwards it was just so nice and happy you could joke about so many things no one is kind of no like, more bs no trying more to impress. bs no like yeah. passive aggressive kind of like comments nothing like that wow. everything was just so nice so and then also i started doing the tournament there was only one tournament in el paso You said it was six years ago that you started that? I think it was like around uh -huh. six years ago now. There was only one tournament in El Paso that um, the satisfaction rate in general was very low. It was, people didn't like it. You know, it felt biased. It was, I had a few um, experiences where it was like, like they were just rubbing me the wrong way and then i would see a lot of my students were mad or after the tournament would be mad because they felt they got screwed over and then and i'm like why are we doing this tournament man like it's just like it's just it's not being beneficial it's just pissing people off people were quitting after the tournament because like ah they hated it and this and that and i fucked that and you know and it's just like this is wrong like i need to do my own tournament and i had already been working at the gracie nationals and gracie worlds for like four years already running the tournaments doing all the bracketing under rose gracie and um being a referee and um so i was like i could do this for sure so i started doing it uh that opportunity with shane and lizzie um from well their gym used to be called new you what is it called now sun city sun athletic. city athletic athletic club right mm -hmm. yeah and mark and amy duchene from what was 915 but it's now elevate um elevate gym over here on the east side us three we got together and we put the lift edp fitness expo together the first year um we had we got a lot of support from the city of el paso and they wanted to do it Uh, when the plaza uh, or the the Alleg San Jacinto Plaza opened, and that was the plan, but they took so long to open, and we still had it outside on the street. So we closed down the street, like Franklin Street, between like El Paso Street. I don't remember where, like behind the stadium, and uh, we put canopies everywhere. I had a tournament over here. Uh, Shane and Lizzie had a stage, so they had the Mr. and Miss Fitness El Paso and some other com contests. And then Mark and Amy had another parking lot over here for uh, the CrossFit games that they do, the Desert Games. And it was so awesome. That was the first year. After that, every year was inside the convention center just because being outside, it's so hard to do an event because you don't know if it's going to rain, it was going to be windy, and it was so hot. And then the heat on the mat makes it all hot. You can't be on there barefoot. And then imagine all the people in CrossFit on asphalt just, like, working out hard with the sun just, boom, all day. Mark was like, never again am I doing this outside. Wow. Oh, Shane was showing me pictures, telling me about the event. It's so awesome. And it's so sad about, well, Of course, with COVID, that you guys couldn't have that. It's crazy. How, like, the year after year after year, something would happen that we would almost cancel. One year, it was because it was, like, Hurricane Katrina. So they had refugees from Hurricane Katrina at the convention center, and we almost weren't able to use it. 
and but luckily some they left before they moved them or something they were able to do it the year after that was the shooting the walmart oh, shooting yeah. so they had everything like uh the fbi and stuff had all their 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 center there at the convention center the day before is when they moved out where we were able to do it and then last year um covid 19 finally it beat us wow <laughs> so you think a combination of all these events and of course um building that community that's what helped out because definitely um, aside from the qu the quantity I mean, the fact is that the quality, for example, we have professional MMA fighters training here. That just tells the story that gyms have a very high level performance there, right? Yes, we started bringing a lot of competitors from other cities to El Paso. It was like in the hundreds already um, that it was bringing them to us. But also as a business, all our gyms were thriving because we had goals now. Like, oh, hey, guys, the tournament is September. We just prepare, and everyone's preparing and getting ready. Am I ready? Am I ready? Do we got to work on this? And the coach, you know what I'm saying? So, boom, here's another one, and now another one. Another. And I got it down to a science where I had a software where everyone would sign up. It would show them the brackets immediately. Before I would do it by hand, I would have cards. For the first three years, I would be up to, like, four in the morning setting up brackets. The adults' brackets are so easy because everyone is just a wait. Um, and experience kids it's weight experience age also because a six-year-old that weighs 60 pounds is not going to be able to go against a eight-year-old that's 60 pounds just cognitively that eight-year-old is a lot more sharper you know what i'm saying and it's going to dominate that six-year-old that's still you know a little kid yeah more than a little wow, kid. Okay. and on paper it looks dude it's just a two-year difference like they'll be fine and then you see them in person you're like dang that's not gonna happen so we had some parents you know, oh my gosh. So I would be up to like 3, 4 in the morning. And then the tournament would start at 8 in the morning the next day. But I would have to be there at 7 to start set everything up. And then people late registering and late weighing in. Because you had to do weigh-ins the day before. It was so hard. So hard. One year I even dropped on the way back. I dropped some of the mats on the freeway. And they got <gasps> ruined. Ooh, okay. They got ruined. And, um... I had borrowed the mats from the region of the wrestling committee, wrestling region. I don't know what it's called. And so I had to pay them back for it. I had to buy it. So all my earnings that year were pretty much gone on mats. And now I had I had pretty much bought those torn mats. And I had, I just had torn mats now. Wow. <laughs> it was horrible. But Nat, I got a software now. It's called Smooth Comp where it has everything. And it even shows you exactly what time you're going to compete. And it's, it's up to date, and it has a screen where it shows you what mat you're going to be on. Everything, everyone has it on their app on their phone, and it just pff, runs smoothly, like nothing. Well, fancy. Do you think we're going to have it this year? Yes. I, I had it last year anyways. I still had my tournament. LiveFitEP, uh, we had to cancel, but I fought it, and I was like, I'm still going to do the tournament, and I still ended up having the tournament. I, fought I found another venue, and I still had it. It was a little bit smaller than usual, because every year I saw a lot of growth. This year was the same as last year, or Ooh. maybe a little bit. So I had like 200 competitors, but oh, okay. it was amazing. Everyone was very happy, and uh, all the gym owners are my friends. So, you know, I could get direct feedback, and I ask them, you know, like, hey, man, what do you think? Do you like it? Like, everything good? Do any parents have anything bothered? Sometimes they would be like, hey, man, I'm like, ah, I'll talk to them directly, or I'll fix the problem right then and there, you know? It's like that. 
jujitsu mindset comes into play where you have to problem solve right there on the, on the fly when I'm running the event. So I love the thrill of running an event. It's so awesome. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that, sir. But yeah, it makes sense. It just for, for anyone new to MMA or maybe that was not aware of the big community, jujitsu MMA here in El Paso, check it out. It's amazing to, uh, to see what's going on right now. Thank so. you. Kudos to you, man. All right, so let's talk about now being a gym owner, right? Of course, with COVID, being a business owner, as you know, there's a lot of challenges. What's the hardest part of being a gym owner, jiu-jitsu in this case, aside from COVID? Oh, man. I don't know. Um, I think one, I don't know if it's the hardest, but one of the hard things is separating you yourself at a personal level from the students or the members you know like i mean i don't do it a hundred percent but sometimes you do have to like also like your employees and stuff you can't be like super i used to be friends with everybody you know and people become their, their members but they ended up being you know still i have a lot that are my friends too but it's just the the relationship changes a little bit you know what i'm saying where they not that they lose respect for you but they see you a little bit differently and when they don't they could kind of like see you as just a coach and then you that benefits them a little bit more where you just take that role as a coach instead of being your coach and the friend and the homie and the cuñado and the, you know what I mean? do you know what i mean yeah where now i can't it's hard for me to tell him so many things because he's also my homie and so like that whereas a coach i could be like hey dude like bum 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 you know or or you know what that doesn't fly here in this gym get out of here and you know get that bad vibe out of your off of your team before it makes it even worse because that happens too you know like you get people that where you give them an opportunity you want to help everybody and they're not changing they're just taking advantage of that opportunity instead for their benefit and they're they're just kind of like as a like as a rotten how do you call it like they're just making the vibe uh, um bad and they're they're contaminating it to other people and then they're going behind your back maybe saying stuff about you and then so you know and that's something that you have to notice right away and you know address it immediately because you're the one that creates this culture mm -hmm. and this um energy that is good for learning you know and you I'm here for a reason, you know, I've been doing this for a while for a reason, and it's thriving for a reason. The way I think that it should be is, you know, after research and development, you know, after trial and error for a few years, and you're not going to, someone else is not going to come in and start telling you how to run things and stuff like that. It's like, dude, if you don't agree with me, if you disagree with me, you don't have to be here, man. You know, this isn't like a high school team where, like, you have to be on this team kind of thing and like I have to give you mat time or I have to let you play. If you don't like it, go find another team. You know what I'm saying? And that's I feel like that's the hardest thing because I'm also not an asshole. You know what I'm saying? I can't do that to people. Some people that come naturally like, hey, bro, get the fuck out of here. This is my, you know, and it's hard for me to do something Yeah, like and, that. And, and that was exactly <laughs> what I was going to ask next because with your personality being friendly, kind, generous, you know, you, you, you try to make sure that everyone's feels welcome and everything like that. How can you separate, okay, this is a moment of I need to have this type of conversation with you, you know? Yeah, because so. yeah, I feel it's different from a fitness gym where you just want people to take the class, you know, lift, train, cool, peace out, man. Oh, nice to meet you, come in. Beep, little scan card and stuff. With me, it's, it's like a whole relationship. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to 
know them one-to-one and kind of give them the philosophy. And we talk about philosophy all the time in class and uh, strategy and analogies comparing to other things. So we go more in depth on the mind because the mind is your biggest tool, you know what I'm saying? And um, for fighting and tactics and war tactics and stuff, your mind is what's going to, you know, make you or break you. And once you start learning, you learn more about people, um, you got to know who should be on your on your team and who shouldn't. Yeah, and that, that works uh, in every business, not only the gym, of course, that you yeah, try to imagine. help them out, especially if you know their, their personal situation, right? But then you're trying to separate that. Okay, well, but now this is business and now it's yep. affecting you. So I'm sure yeah, it's, it's a challenge it's, as well. It's crazy because one of my friends, uh, this Boogeyman Martinez, he runs 10th Planet San Diego. He's probably one of the most successful 10th Planet gym owners um, in the whole system just because competitively he's one of the best and also his school they they have like 600 members or 700 members i don't know and they have like three schools already or four and um he, it's something he told me he's like it's crazy when someone comes to my gym i actually end up interviewing them like well what do you want to do jujitsu well. and why do you want to do this and what made you come to 10 planet instead and blah 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 blah, and that sometimes they'll be like, "Ah oh, man, well I don't know if like uh, this is like the best fit for you." So they're like, "God dang, I don't know." Like that feels like I feel like I couldn't tell that to someone, you know. Like, but you get to a certain level of, uh, I guess, jujitsu instructor, you could read people right away, or a lot better than most people. You know what I'm saying? Another coach, another friend of mine, I you know I consider these guys mentors is K- Casey uh, from Ten Planet Vegas and. He's owned uh, quite a few 10 planets also. He would tell me the same thing. He would be like, oh, you know what, man? Like, I I feel like th- that school over there is probably a better fit for you, man. You should go try them out instead. Wow, well, okay. <laughs> and it feels like business-wise, it's like, dude, that's not good for business. But at the end of the day, it is going to be good because he's going to scare away people from you. He is going to hold back some of your members from you. He's going to take time from you for having to argue and fight with him where you could be spending that time on the people that are appreciated of you. You know what I'm saying? And also maybe just piss you off and bother you where you can't perform the best as a coach anymore. So at the end of the day, it is better for business. Yeah. And especially like you said, that if you're able to read out people already, I mean, chances are you're going to be right with whatever whatever assumption you're I making. I just feel like there's a fine line between knowing how to read people and judging, right? Oof. And you don't want to judge either. <laughs> Which it is kind of the same thing, right? That's where it gets tricky that you are. Reading. If you're reading out people, even if it's a positive way, but you're judging someone. No, because judging is like... like Think about <laughs> it. It's, I, I it's wanna the say, same. It just judging sounds say, negative. <laughs> I want to say judging is like you're, criticize, like you're, think, you're judging them for their choices. As in like, oh, he shouldn't have done... Like, that choice was a bad choice because of this without knowing really what's going on. But when you're reading people, you're like, this person is this type of person. And I know he's not going to learn probably from this. He's probably going to do this. Or he's, he's the kind of guy that answers back for everything or has an argument about everything. And he's not going to take it positive. He's going to take it negative about everything. And he has a chip on his shoulder all the time. I'm not going to be able, Or it'll take me years for me to change this guy. And he's going to have to want to change as opposed to go try somewhere else. And someone else I still with struggle with doing that so much, but I've taken decisions like that where I'm just like, ah, man, this is so tough. But as soon as that ha- decision happened, you just feel like this relief, you know, that that and this like energy, this bad energy that's not there anymore. And everyone, 
everyone's kind of like, finally, everyone's like happy, like, dude, I'm so glad that person's not here anymore. And that they left, I'm like, yeah, we had a big falling out. God, dude, good man, because now nah, 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 then I'm like, oh, now it starts coming out that actually everybody wanted them to be gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's funny, you know what I say after the fact, right? Yeah. Are you saying, what is the most rewarding thing of training people, training kids? That's a big part of what you do. So, what's the most rewarding thing? Uh, just when, like, when when people change, you know, for the better. But also when they set goals, when you help set help them set goals, and you share that same goal with them, you know, as as we're working together for you them to get to win that tournament stuff like that, and watching them win it, and then uh, also maybe when they feel grateful for it and they express it to you maybe later, and also even when you don't even notice. And they tell you, like, hey, coach, I wanted to tell you, like, just randomly, like, a message or something. It's like, ooh, that's the best. That's This wow. is why I do it. That's the motivation that keeps you, you going. Thank you. Like, phew, that's beautiful, you know. Or parents tell me that, that their son is, you know, doing way great now at school. Uh, they do their homework all the time, this and that. They're motivated. They're, they don't answer back to them anymore. And, like, just stuff like that. So awesome. Just because I, they tell me sometimes, you know. Like, hey, a little, what's his name, is not doing this, and he's answering back, and this and that, and I'll just be like, huh. And I could get to them in a certain way, talk to them in a certain uh, form that they'll see it differently, you know, instead of, like, just an adult, like, yes, coach, or yes, teacher, or yes, mm -hmm. mom, I'm not, I know that's bad, I'm sorry. It's just like, hey, man, what's going on, bro? Like, so what? So, like, you're going to do this? It's, dude, it's your mom. Like, your mom comes in, like, brings you to practice. She takes time out of her day for this, this, and that. And on top of that, you're going to be – she doesn't have to bring you. She doesn't have to buy you that little Apple Watch that you got on you. And she has that for you. And you're still – you know what I mean? Like, and then they'll be like, oh, shoot. And it's also like, man, like – and then you got to know how to coach. You know, like, certain people will take that positive and be like – Dang, you're sorry. Yeah, you're right. And then like, and other people will be like, ugh. Yeah. You know? And you gotta so be funny. like, hey man, let, let me up. You know, you gotta talk to him in a certain different vibe in a certain way. You know, like I feel the best coach needs uh, or teacher will identify that there's different learning styles, and you have to have different teaching styles to fit uh, the most amount of students. You can't just have one teaching style and be like, well, you have to learn my way. You know, like. That's yeah. not, that's, I think that's the biggest flaw in the education system right now. You know, they just have, it's like one cookie cut kind of way of how to teach. And that fails a lot of people, you know. So. Yeah, especially when you don't have a good support system at home. Talking about that, how difficult is it when you're working with, let's say, kids and you see them improve, not only in, in jiu-jitsu, right, but you see them more disciplined um, in, in many aspects. But then you see that at home, like they don't have the same structure. Like yeah. the, the, how difficult is that? It is difficult, but you gotta ha help them find a way to look at it. Sorry, you're good. You gotta help them find a way to look at that positively, um, because some of the best guys in the world, like in and most successful guys in the world, um, have come through bad, bad uh, upbringings and so stuff. Look at Fifty Cent; he sold crack when he was like eight or something like that on the streets. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what was his reason? You know, like, why didn't he end up becoming or going to prison or something like that? You know, why didn't he end up just becoming a murderer or a crackhead? Because you have to look at it as like, you know, it's an obstacle and you're going to overcome it and it's only going to make you better. And yeah, you your parents are separated and yeah, your dad is not there all the time. 
so what man you know like there's there's tougher uh lives out there people are don't have food to eat you know they're out on the streets you know they just lost their leg for some reason and and that because of something small and so some third world problem you're gonna have to be a victim and be like oh poor me and this is why i'm unsuccessful no dude like you can't look at it that way that's why it's so important to have people like you in their life that gives them that perception because what if they grow up without that you know like and there's a lot of cases like that that they just that's one thing they see and And nothing else and then they channel that bad energy into jujitsu you know what i'm saying like if they're like mad about something and it's like oh you're mad dude you're mad well let me see it show me you're mad what you're you're mad because your mom got mad at you over this show right here don't just be with a little pouty face prove it take it out right here on this guy right here come on (laughs) hey you and you super fight (laughs) and they'll be like oh come on you're tough and you're giving me an attitude do it to someone your size go and then they're like now they got to do it and then they feel a little bit better or they get their ass kicked and now it's like damn oh so you're not so tough (laughs) Uh, that's so interesting and going back to what we started our conversation with is how jiu-jitsu and also other uh, martial arts as far as it's not only the sport but the things that you learn from it and especially if maybe you're the role models that you have at home they're not the best that's the reason why maybe it's even greater if you have the opportunity to have your kids in in any of those programs like has an opportunity to someone else offer that perception that sometimes they're not offered at home right yes definitely nice well thank you so much for that now to end our conversation i know you're a follower of gary v Yes. Uh, was he last uh, here last year or the year before? I think it was last year, and I went. What I know, and I know you asked him a question. Uh, yes. So, oh, that was so awesome! I always wanted to ask him a question. Which like, question God, was it? What did I ask him? Okay, yes, something about outsourcing. It's so it's so funny because um, I was there and I was not on the floor. I was in the stands. And it's about jumping on that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. also about that something that I've learned in jujitsu also, where as soon as an opportunity arises, you you gotta quickly be able to analyze what's the rest best decision to make to, to do it or to not do it. And you already know if to do it or to not do it, but people have doubt, you know, and then they're like, sure, oh, no, but what if? And they're like, what if what? Well, I don't know, what what could happen? Like, what but maybe this could happen? Like, can that really happen? You know, they but then once they're overthinking it, that opportunity already passed and then it's too late. So I saw the opportunity and I jumped the fence and I was the first, second one in line. And I was like, <gasps> and I was like, what the hell am I going to ask him? I don't even know what to ask him. Where people were showing up with papers. Already. You didn't even have the question already. I didn't have a question. There you go. Okay. But then I was like, yes, I do have a question. Perfect. So I, for all, for the most years of my um, gym business, I was a one man show. I would teach the morning class. I would teach the kids class and I would teach the the advanced class and the beginners class all every single day and when people would show up i'd get out of class and be like hey hello welcome to, oh, you're trying to try it out da, da, da. well these are this is our schedule this is our members and this and that this, this much we'll try it out tomorrow oh, you want to sign up after practice like in between classes i'd sign up like whatever kid they wanted to get signed up and then i'd have uh, one of my top students like start the warm-ups for the other class and like and it just it got to a point where the gym was growing a lot. Like it was, I was get, like the voice was getting more out there, and like we were getting a little bit more well known for competing all the time and you know fighting and stuff. So or for whatever reason, right? And it was just growing where it was taking me away. And also, I was doing so. I was like spending so much time and thought, and um, my most of my brain capacity was not 
focus on jujitsu. It was on bookkeeping, on accounting, on bills. And I was just looking at everyone like, how many people are here today? Like, oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, it's better than last week. Or how many members do I got? I need to get this many members and I need to get that many members and I've only lost this one. And, and it's just like, after a while, I'm like, one of my really good friends uh, from 10th Planet, I can't remember which one, uh, we call him Barncat. He's like, I didn't work so hard to just do jujitsu for a living to not do jujitsu for a living. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? So we finally get to the point where I'm living off of jujitsu to where it's, it, I, I can't do jujitsu because I have to take care of everything so jujitsu could happen. You know what I'm saying? So my question was, I'm like, I told him that problem I had and I needed to hire a front desk person. And I was like, do I hire someone from the jiu-jitsu community and teach them how to do sales or teach them about the jiu-jitsu community, about, you know, how to sell and stuff like that? Or do I hire a sales rep and teach them what jiu-jitsu is kind of thing? And he's like, it doesn't matter, either <laughs> or. And he, dude, oh, I love Gary Vee. Sometimes like in the morning, I'm like, boom, Gary Vee video, hell yeah. And I'm just like, oh, yes. And then start my day, you know? <laughs> He's so right. I don't know how he... I don't know back to what you said about overthinking. About it, yes, like, yeah. exactly. I'm yeah. like, dude, and he does jujitsu too, a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't until, know that one. After he went to Joe Rogan, I think he went, he started doing some jujitsu. So anyways, I wish I could have talked to him about that. But <laughs> um, he was like, either or, man, it doesn't matter. Just do one. I feel like you've already been thinking about this so much that if you would have already pulled the trigger on hiring someone, you would have probably been on your third person already. But you haven't done it because you're thinking, oh, what's your first person? It doesn't matter. Just pick them. And if he does, if he's good, cool. And if they're not good, fire them and get another one. And I was just like, oh, he's all right. I'm an idiot, you know? <laughs> and that's what I did. Luckily, the person I hired, uh, Natalie, gosh, she's, she's amazing, man. She's doing everything. It's perfect. I love it. It's like... I couldn't picture anyone else doing it besides her. Nice. Now, let me ask you this. If you had a chance to ask Gary V another question oh, now, what would that question be? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Would it be business related? Will it be it more on be. going into your personal life? What would it be? It would have to be business related just because he's such a, he's such a genius, man. It would have to be, um, uh, but I would probably already know the answer to it. Um, how do I put more marketing stuff out there? How do I um, do the marketing for more for jujitsu? And <clears throat> he would probably be like, it's just got to be organic. Just document, you know, because I see him. You just document what you're doing where people are um, putting out videos and like making things up and like acting it out. People will notice that. And it's harder too. just start recording what you're doing at that moment in time. Talk about it and then just post it you know it doesn't matter whether you're like you know you don't have to yeah i got someone to add, edit a little bit and adds a little this and that but just do just record what you're doing and people are interested and in, genuinely interested in what, what like the day-to-day thing that you're doing you know and i think you do that already with your social media because yes. it's anyone that follows you i mean you can tell of course you have some memes sometimes you're the, the fun part a lot of mma stuff jiu-jitsu but then a lot of the things that you're going on it's so organic that you know what when people um, are, are thinking about your gym they're thinking about you specifically so you're already doing it maybe you're trying to do it on the on the official accounts maybe is that yeah is? I, I try to separate the jiu-jitsu uh, 10 planet jiu-jitsu from my personal and all my personal do a little bit more personal stuff and on 10 planet just strictly just 10, like the promo and marketing stuff although even now every now and then i'll do kind of that and like but it's like talking to people from 10 planet so it is 10 planet stuff you know so 
It's pretty cool. Um, the only thing is I'm getting, I'm, I'm trying to mess less with social media. What do you mean? I saw the Netflix special Social Dilemma. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, yes. yes I God have. almighty. I don't, it's hard when you have a business to run. Through yeah, it's impossible. Normal people could have been like, all right, yeah, delete, delete, yeah, and I wish I could do that. I can't because that's what the world is right now. It's just I think it's such a huge problem that needs to be addressed and, like, who's going to address it? And it's the government. But then what? The government is now going to take over social media? But then now it's, you don't want that either, yeah. you know? You don't want the government to be running social media because I don't trust them either. It's just there has to be some sort of, like, laws where – uh, they're invading privacy. You know what I'm saying? They're just creating... Sta- and it's not even them anymore. It's AI, you know? Artificial intelligence is just creating algorithms just so they know exactly what you want, what you need, what you want to see, and they'll just post it. And then if you're not looking at it, they'll just... Bzz, your phone will just vibrate for something. Uh, one of your friends just posted something. It's like, why did, I, why did I get that notification? But now you're in there. And if you notice, everyone, like, you go to your phone for to check a message and you'll check that text message but then you'll check your Instagram and then you'll check your Facebook and you end up just, do, just scrolling yeah. through Instagram and you're like, ah, oh, damn it. I hate that. I have to, and then especially the one that you're talking about, Jiu-Jitsu, Yorita, whatever, Facebook, gyms, yep. uh, the Jiu-Jitsu gyms Jiu-Jitsu around stuff. you. <laughs> oh, ¿qué pasa aquí? you know? And it's crazy because yeah. Yeah. you, I could do that uh, to my website it's called a pixel, like a fa- Facebook pixel. But that's when they open your account, right? When they go to your website. Or the website. Um, you put that Facebook pixel on your website. So when they go to your website next time and then they leave or whatever, next time they go onto their social media, your website will come up in their newsfeed. Which I'm okay with that because I'm, I'm that's... I'm okay the, with that too. Better, better, better. <laughs> the one I'm not okay with is when they hear something. Let's say on the phone. No, no, no he buscado nada de jiu-jitsu, for yeah. example. I just say the word jiu-jitsu several mm-hmm. times. And now, boom, hey, jiu-jitsu gyms or, or equipment. Yes, I'm like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. Have to, and at first I was like, oh, okay. And it's, like, it's, and it's like, eh, for what? So just so they could sell you stuff? Cool. But now it's getting a lot into politics now. So also that's what they spoke about. So if you were to be looking at uh, conspiracy theories and stuff, they're just feeding you conspiracy theories and stuff like that. They're giving you more, you know what I'm saying, of what you want. Because and that's then, what you like based on what you, you have notice, done. if you start going into the Republican side of things, then they just show you Republican. Republican side things, not Democrat side things. And then the people on the, on the other side just looking at that things. And they, we each think that this is all of the news. And it's not. It's just what you want to see. And that's what they're giving you. So that's why everyone's like more strong about their opinion and think that they're right. And then you go into conversations and everyone's like, ah. That's the reason. No, and then they show you links and articles about the, proving their point, And then you show them links. Or, and then nothing happens at the end. Everyone's just pissed. I'm gonna tell you something that I have done. It's been already years already that I do to, not to stay in check, but at least that helps me with that. I tend to follow people that I don't like, that they don't, that I don't agree with. Yes, I'm cool. I I, I follow that, but purposely because los veo. Digo, oh my god, I can't believe. But don't unfollow because you do have to have a balance of the people that you think like you, but also maybe yeah. far left, far far right, yeah. whatever it is. And that's working for me. Even like Facebook friends can go, yeah. really, do you really have to be whatever? Okay, let, let, let me just... It makes you yeah. know what's right and what's wrong also. You know, it makes you stronger about your opinion by looking at both sides of things. And now you kind of like, you know what it is? Like, or you're going to be like, ah, oh, man, it's just like, this is a yeah. touchy subject. Because I'm open to being wrong, just like you said. I am open to learning something. And even maybe I, I was... Um, I don't know, believing whatever for the, my entire life. But if it changes after this That's conversation, exactly how I am oh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, let it, like, it's like, no, this, this and then actually, this is not like, 
Oh shit, you're right. No, you, yeah, I think that now. And they're like, some people will be like, what? Like I, it's like yeah, dude, you could accept you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Every yeah. now and then. And then guess what? Next week, if someone else shows, uh, makes a strong argument about something else, I'll be like, you know what? You are right. I'm gonna think that right now. Like I think that too now. It's, it's okay, man. Don't be so. Don't be married to a certain, you know, um, belief or thing, you know. And I think that's the biggest contributor to happiness. To be honest, there's so many things that success, hard work, but if if it's just being open to showing empathy, I think that is one of the biggest of being happy. Then yeah, I'm not okay. Like I'm I'm not right on this, or I'm open to something. And when I try to break it down, I think you know what? I think that's what makes me happy. Yeah. Like one of the biggest factors. No? Yeah, everyone's very like strong on their opinion, and then like quick to uh, insult each other. It's like, dude, you don't even know me. Like it's also a big thing about social media that you could insult someone so hard. And it's like, dude, you know, in person, you would not be talking to that guy like that. Like why are you ta- why are you trying yeah. to act all hard and stuff? And then. And then you look at you try to look at that guy's profile. He has like no pictures of himself. It's like you're no, like you're like you're literally nobody, bro. You're you're you don't have a face for anybody to see. You know, you just like have pictures of like other stuff, and it's weird, man. Like, to, and even if this person was so respectable, so many fans picture look at that. If that worst case scenario, yeah. of course. I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, I know what I'm doing. So, I, I mean, I'm okay with that. But that makes sense because 99% of bad comments, 99% of like people hating, I guess, it's going to come up from people that don't politics, even deserve to have a. In politics, people uh, need to or should understand that there are different realities and things. You know, people come, somebody that came from El Paso is not going to think on the topic gun control as someone from Chicago or someone from, you know, the farmland in Montana. You know, Montana, they're going to be like, so what? I want to have my guns, whatever. And people in Chicago that maybe their cousin got shot yesterday, they're like, screw all the guns. You know what I'm saying? Someone in El Paso may be like, yeah, I like guns. But also maybe their uncle was there during the Walmart shooting. And they're again, you know, it's like it's there's different realities and people should accept everyone for who they are and what they what they think. And if it's, there should be a thing about everyone could do like think and do whatever they want, you know, like. But then, ooh, oh, so you're pro-choice. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like, like we could talk. You're sounding very liberal, yeah, bro. Yeah. And now you're sounding very this. And it's like, dude, don't put a title on me. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, you're a Trump supporter, aren't you? Excuse me? Like, what? Screw both. Screw Trump. Screw <laughs> Biden. Screw if all of them, bro. Don't give me that shit. anything positive on any, going back to the candidate, if you can't see anything positive on one or the other, there's something wrong with you. Simitis, yep. because, I mean, the truth is, regardless of how you feel, but if you're not able to see one, at least one of the things that it's um, that guy or whatever did well or he's doing well. So it's got a problem. It's not them. It's you. <laughs> I, don't know. I think we could spend hours on this. Let me just ask you my last question because I'm very thankful for, for the close to two hours that we've been on and I've been enjoying this. But let me ask you this. This is the same question I ask everybody. So take a moment. <laughs> Señor, tell us one thing you love about El Paso. Y no podemos ir comida, because we all know that. Yes, we all know that. Um, and then, after that, when is one thing that maybe, I'm not going to say you don't like, but you would like to change, or maybe something that you would like to be on as far as improve, um, improvement of the city? Um, I feel like it's it's the same thing, what I like and what I dislike. What I okay. like about El Paso is that we kind of have like a small town feel or mentality where... 
a lot of people do know each other or know someone that knows each other and we all are kind of connected in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that about my town. But what I don't like about it is that a lot of people um, that know each other, they're kind of like bickering about each other, but also don't leave El Paso to experience other ways of life and think that this is only one way and they're close-minded as into only this way is reality kind of thing. You know wait, wait a second, because that, that, that's a good topic that we can talk about. Because you're absolutely right, right? But all the worst are the ones that do stay, but they still say, oh, there's nothing to do. Well, Paso sucks. <laughs> If you're going to be here, at least be happy, proud of your city. But I then went, we have those complaints. I went on a rant once because um, there's construction everywhere now, yeah. right? And I remember there was a time where there was more, there was like a lot of construction. And it's the same people that say El Paso never grows, there's nothing to do in El Paso, are the same ones saying all these construction sites. Like, dude, that's growth. <laughs> you're gonna, like, what do you, it's not a computer game where they're just gonna double click and a building is gonna pop up there, bro. How do you expect this building or this traffic to better? If you don't build more roads or upgrade the roads, you know what I'm saying? That has to happen. Uh, look at all this construction. It's like, yeah, luckily, thank God we have construction, bro. They're investing into our city and our infrastructure. <laughs> They just find something to, I'm not going to call it hate. I don't like to use that word. But something to complain about. Yeah, complain For example, about. the Amazon building, no? Like, oh. oh my God, at first, no, because we need bigger companies to show us. So yeah, oh no, ahora van a traer que, or the government, it's next. They're gonna put, like, I don't know, they, they come up with all this. <laughs> I don't know, weird scenario situation. They're like, yeah. you're never going to make them happy. Like you give them gold or crap and they're going to complain regardless. Pero bueno, anything else you know, that you want to talk about that we're good to go? Oh, I think we, we covered good? almost everything, I think. <laughs> no, I think we did. So, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you I know you're doing me. great stuff. The people that I know that know you personally, they all have all but great things to say about you. So, you. you're taking the time. I know you have your twin boys. I mean, obviously, there's stuff to do. Um, that you have to do, but you uh, choosing to do it with me over here, spending time. I really appreciate that. I appreciate so, you inviting me. Gracias. Adios. That's all I have. Bye, guys.